And it's Encounter with God here on Faith FM. But before we get into our Bible study, we have another clue for the most obscure quiz of the year. Yes, what do you got for us there, Mon? Okay, so this is going to be the last quiz uh, clue, Lyle. So we really need to start creating some. Have you been creating some extra clues over there? Uh, no. Diligently out with your Bible and your pad and notepad. So I figured maybe you were working on it. <laughs> I was I working on our encounter section, but that's okay. No worries. I'm just looking up another one right now as we speak. Have we had? Uh... We'll save it for later because we have one more clue to give. So this is a what am I quiz, and the next clue is this. Paul said, "In the last days, people would be lovers of this oh, rather come on. than lovers of God." It's the last clue. It's supposed to be the easiest. Why are you beefing? Well. Because Paul said in the last days people be lovers of this rather than lovers of God. Give us a call if you know the answer. Look where I just turned to in my Bible. Oh, you were going to the same place. One eight hundred Faith FM is our number. It's one 843 Lovers of this more than lovers of God. What might it be? Football, maybe. Um, I guess for some people that's a reality. <laughs> uh, Definitely not for this person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be, you know. It could be, uh, it could be football, and that could be kind of related to a correct answer. Yeah, I think I think you're going to confuse them even further, actually, with that analogy. Lovers of this more than lovers of something else. What might mm-hmm. it be? One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call if you have the answer to the quiz, and there will be an amazing prize coming your way. All right, so Mon, oh, as we get into our Bible study today, I need to clarify something. Go on. Some people, just in case somebody thought I was gleeful that somebody got bullied in the last session. I was not gleeful about that, but I was pleased that justice was done even though it was irregular justice. So it's not, it's not, it's not about bullying. I don't support bullying in any way, shape or form. But... Um, when irregular justice takes place, then, you know, that's a, that's not something that you can complain about. That's a, a positive thing. Anyway, uh, okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. Matthew. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. Matthew 20, not 26. And you know the one thing in that story that I'm most disappointed about? You know what disappoints me more than anything else? Mm-hmm. Is that, and for those of you who might have missed the story, um, there was a teacher who was fired, well, yeah, kind of fired, but then reinstated because he restrained a child in a brawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that disappoints me the most is that when that child got home, rather than his mother claiming that he had been abused, that she didn't discipline him. Yeah. That's what it should have happened. She should you have know, been. That's, that's how it used to happen back in the day. If you got disciplined at school, you'd cop it again when yeah, you got home. That's exactly it. Yeah. And uh, rather than disciplining her charge, you're like, oh, you've been abused. Yeah, it, it sort of only re sort of reinstates for that kid the, the kind of power he can have by by stuffing yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, training him that, and, and of course raising him to be a criminal because, you know, when he grows up and he becomes a criminal, then the police are going to step in. And when the police step in, they're not going to have any leeway. Yeah, they're not going to. You know, they're not going to mess around. And suddenly the kid's going to be like, oh, why not? I'd be letting off the hook when you're being let off the hook. Why, yeah. why am I a victim right now? And it's like, well, guess what? You know, there's no flexibility right yeah, now. You can't. The flexibility has gone. And so you get all the flexibility in the world. And we train our children that there is flexibility when in actual fact, there is none. 
Yeah, the, you're not going to be able to accuse a police officer of abusing you because he arrested you when you committed a crime. Yeah, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden, you know, when they ate that piece of fruit, how much flexibility did God have? Yeah. You know, did God stand back and say, well, you've done it once, uh, and I said, you know, you'll die if you eat that fruit, but I'll, I'll, I'll count to three. Mm. Is that what God said? No, not at all. You know? Because the simple reality is if you train, train your children that they're not going to receive any kinds of consequences until you count to three, then if they're about to run out on the road as um, a friend of mine's kid nearly did the other day and you say don't, they're going to be like, fine, nothing's going to happen until he counts to three. Well, by the time you count to three, the kid's going to be in the middle of the road and run over. Yeah, that's it. You know, we, we train our children in some of the, some of the worst possible uh, kinds of ways sometimes because we train them to be to to, to, to to see that there are no consequences or that consequences are delayed. And when you do so, you place your children in great danger. Of when, ruining their lives. Yeah. Yeah. When we say no, no should mean no. It should only have one meaning. I don't understand. We train them that no has so many different shades where in actual fact no should only ever have one shade, and that is no. It is black and white. And if we train our children any other way, then um, we're, we're, we're raising them you know, on the concept of you shall not surely die. There will be no consequences. I don't understand why this kid and, um, and the mother don't understand that actually he's extremely liable right now because the teacher could turn around to the kid because the kid was attacking him. And oh, the, it's and on the, the video. You look at the video. Yeah, and the other kid who was involved in the brawl could also sue this kid for being attacked. It's, but teachers don't like that. That's not how teachers are. Yeah. Teachers are there because they care for children. They want the best out of children. They want to see children grow and develop. And then that's to have where these people get, turn around. That's and where they them. get their validation is yeah. by seeing young people become, you know, you know, amazing adults. Well, maybe it's time that teachers just took that power back and started suing kids when the kids abused them because they seem to be copying a lot of abuse and then being punished for being the person who's being abused. I think I don't know. Maybe teachers need to think about that. Protect yourself. Get yeah, I don't know that the law is going to support um, an adult um, suing a child. And I think that's probably a fault with the law. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe I, just think a- it's, I do think it's disgraceful that this, this mother has turned around and tried to get this guy, this teacher fired and, you know, screamed abuse when it wasn't abuse. And um, I think it's a crying it shame. It was restraint. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, imagine what would have happened to that kid. You know, the kid starts kicking and punching at a, at a teacher. Imagine what would have happened to that kid back in the day. It's a crying shame that this mother wasn't at the forefront of the voices that were saying, no, this teacher didn't do anything wrong, reinstating him. And when the, kid, you know, when the kid reaches 18 and becomes an adult and does something like this on the street and the coppers turn up, he will be fortunate if he gets tased or capsicum sprayed. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, that kind of behavior was never going to fly. It's not going to be tolerated. Yeah, no. And he's been wondering why. Why is this happening to me all of a sudden? It's because, well, that's the way that um, we've raised our children these days and that's the way we've trained them. Yeah. And so this is where we really need to get back to the Bible. You know, the Bible has the solution to these problems. The Bible does not teach abuse. The Bible teaches discipline. There is a vast difference between abuse and discipline. And discipline is something that takes place in love. And when you look at what this teacher was doing, it was definitely an act of love. He cared for the students under his care. He saw that they were in a dangerous situation, and he did something practical to alleviate that danger. Mm. Uh, The problem is that he laid hands on the child to do so, the 14-year-old child, and, uh, and paid the consequences for that. You know, nearly lost his job over it. It's um, 
A very sad world in which we live. Anyway, getting back to our Bible study, let's go to Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28. 26 to 28 says, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your servant. For even the Son of Man cannot be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, so what kind of uh, we were talking about? Uh, we were talking about Islam yesterday. Yeah. Why were we talking about Islam? I don't remember. Okay, let's think about this. What does the word uh, Islam? I mean, I know mean? that we talked about it off air. Oh, did we talk? We didn't talk about it on air. I don't remember talking about it on anyway. air. All right, so we're going to talk about it today, regardless of whether we, whether we talked about it yesterday or not. We're going to talk about Islam. Okay. Are you a Muslim? Do you follow the Islamic faith? Uh, no, I don't identify as a Muslim. Okay. Do you know what the word Islam means? I do because you told me yesterday. Okay, so what does it mean? It means... Total submission. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Submission. submission. Yes. Uh, surrender. We call it surrender. Um, and the Bible primarily uses the word surrender. It's the same thing. So under that definition, and of course it means surrender to God, submission to God. So under that definition, we're Muslims. Because we believe in yeah, surrender to okay. God. Total surrender to to God. I don't think that one one um one doctrine Muslim make. <laughs> okay, very, there are many <laughs> very, not very, all of very, 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 very valid point. <laughs> but under the definition of the word. Under the definition yes, of the word, yes. then oh, we, are, um, we are submitters. Fully we supporting are, in that. Um in submission to God. We um are you know, believe in total surrender to God. That's what uh you know we are, are all about here. And, and really, that's what you find coming out in this passage here. Jesus is talking about submission to God and then, of course, submission to each other, preferring other people before ourselves. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so that's the basis right there for um, Christianity, you know, Christian culture, I should say. You know, putting others first. If we, you know, we look at, uh, um, you know, who shall, uh, who sh- whosoever will be great amongst you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief, let him be your servant. It's interesting how you get this kind of a concept coming through into Western culture. This is the foundation of Western culture. And so we often talk about the government. And when we elect a government or we elect a member of parliament, or we elect a prime minister, or whatever, that they are there to serve us. They are our employee. Even though they seem to forget that sometimes. Yes, very much so. Um, <laughs> we probably well understand that uh, whole principle. But the, the, the basic foundation behind the concept of a uh, democratic society is the concept of service. And the people being at the top, the people being the ones who have the most power, the power lying with the people, and then, of course, the people that they elect into positions of power are are elected into those positions to serve them. That's right. And so this is very, very different from any other culture that there is. And, of course, it is the culture that, you know, is predominant in our world today. Praise God. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, all cultures are broken because of... Um, you know, um, human weakness. 
uh, human weakness is uh, means that there is going to be no perfect culture. There is going to be no perfect political system on our planet. Um, there is none that you know. We've tried every different political system that there is, and none of them have ever been successful. Although some more successful than others. Yes, definitely some more successful than others. And if you looked at Western civilization, and nobody can deny that Western civilization dominates, Western culture dominates the world. Yes. You travel anywhere in the world outside of the West, and everybody is copying the West. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, the West absolutely dominates, and this concept is foundational to the West. Even though the West has moved far away from God and the West has become incredibly secular, this is the uh, the, the, the concept that dominates. Because it's still greatness and service, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so let's go to uh, our next passage right here. Let's go to John chapter 13, verse 4 and 5. If you could read that for us, please, Mon. John 13, verse 4 and 5. If I can get there, I will read it to you. John 13, verse 4 and 5 says, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Okay, let's think about what Jesus is doing here, because this is Jesus that is doing this. And to us in Western civilization and Western society and Western culture today, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, not at all. Okay, but would it make? Would it have made sense, uh, Mon, uh, while we were in Ethiopia, if you were going into a you know a really nice place, um, etc. Oh, I don't know. Like, I would have understood. Would it make more sense? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. More sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. Sure. And, and, and the reason being is, well, let me give you dust. a... Dust. Dust. The reason is dust. Dust, dust, <laughs> dust. dust. Africa is an extremely dusty place. Um, I never cleaned my shoes in while I was in There's Ethiopia. No point. Because you could never see my shoes. Yeah. I could clean my shoes and I would walk outside and instantly they would be covered in a layer of grey dust. And it was like, well, why did you bother cleaning them? Do you want to hear something interesting, Lyle? Actually, um, Vani and I, we shared a preaching site and we would often get to our site up to an hour, an hour and a half before the um, the program even started. And so we would be able to sit there and observe the, the preparations going on. And uh, and uh, the, the choir girls, they would get there and like, you know, be practicing at the back and so forth. Um, but there was a, a moment of time and I got to witness this several times over. Um, where they would, in preparation for the evening, um, they would go to the side and they would wash their feet um, because, you know, the, their feet and their shoes are so dusty and in order for them to consider themselves to be presentable and to, uh, you know, minister for God through the ministry of music, they would get, a, you know, a basin of water with some soap and they would wash their feet and it would take like 20 minutes It'd be like 10 minutes on each foot and that thing would be scrubbed and tubbed and they'd get like a little twig and do the nails and stuff and just until their feet were just gleamingly, gleaming and shiningly clean. I suddenly feel incredibly slack. Yes, yeah, same. You <laughs> 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 just wash them, do it, and then the rinse and oh, it was incredible. They had like a whole, just watching them do it, you can tell that they have muscle memory and, you know, just a graceful way that they would just you know, perform each part. You know they've done it a million times over. Something that we would never, ever think of and would never be even remotely relevant when we go to church. That's right, yeah. 
Um, and, and until you've been there and experienced it, you can't actually understand just just what it's like. Just this, and now not only is there a thick layer of dust, but of course, um, everywhere you go, there are donkey chariots mm-hmm. and donkey carts um, and the odd um, horse. Um, and of course, the streets. You have sheep wandering around the streets. You have goats wandering around. The, mostly goats wandering about around the Unsealed, streets. Unsealed, dusty cows. Mm-hmm. Um, you have dogs, you know, monkeys. Where, where I at my preaching site, there'd obviously been um, some kind of animal, maybe a donkey or a horse or a cow or something or other that had just been butchered in the town square, and its bones were laying around on the ground. Yeah. You know where the bones have been left, and so there's all kinds of. Uh, uh, things that we would not be familiar with that your feet are coming in contact with. And so it's no wonder when you go into a nice place, what do you do? You wash, wash your feet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that gives us a little bit of um, cultural context. Here's some more cultural context. In the Middle East, the foot is considered to be the most disgusting part of the person. Completely understandable. To show a person the bottom of your foot uh, is the equivalent of giving somebody the finger. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see many ancient pieces of artwork in which an, a, a king, when he conquers his enemy, places his foot on his enemy. So you have the enemy on the ground and the king has his foot on him. This is the highest form of insult that there is. Wow, okay. Uh, and so the foot was considered to be you know, the untouchable part of the body. Because of that, when it came time for you know to come inside the house and feet needed to be washed, you would not touch your own feet. Not within that culture. That was not what you know. That was not what you did. It would be the servant or the slave or the person who was the lowest of the low in the household who would do you know that kind of disgusting work. Okay. And so here you've got a situation where the disciples have come in um, to the upper room for the Last Supper. They have spent their time, you know, as they have been journeying there, they have all been discussing who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. Doesn't really set you up for humility, yeah, that no. conversation does. <laughs> no, Doesn't really no. prepare you for humility. <laughs> so then they all sit around inside with unwashed feet. Now, bear in mind that the streets back then were another level altogether because this is what we did not have in Ethiopia. In Ethiopia, they had a sewage system. Oh, yeah. Right? But in those streets, the sewage system was the street. Gross. And so, you know, everything was tossed out of the house into the street, and uh, the sewage could be anywhere up to a foot deep. Oh, yuck. Uh, That was kind of how it was in the streets. And, of course, every now and then it would rain and wash all of that away um, and uh, sort of give it a bit of a temporary clean. But cities, uh, they say that even during medieval times, you could smell a city from several kilometres away. before, Long before you even saw it, you'd be able to smell a city. Oh, why would you ever want to live in a city? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, this was this was just, you know, people didn't smell it because it was the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can imagine this is not something that you want to come in contact with. It's no. not something you want to touch. And that's why the slave would always do it. And so now you've got all the disciples, they're all sitting around and they're all looking at each other like, well, um, there's nobody here to wash our feet, so maybe you should do it. And, you know, somebody else is like, well, maybe you should do it. But they've all been talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. And they're all thinking to themselves, if, I want, if I'm ever going to aspire to be greatest in the kingdom, if I now get down and wash somebody else's feet, that means I have just surrendered. I have just submitted. And so none of them are going to do it. They all refuse to do so. 
They're sitting there in their filth. They're sitting there in their filth because they are too proud. And then notice who does it. It's Jesus Christ who does it. Okay, so let's let's think about who Jesus is. The Son of God, yes, ruler, creator of the entire universe. You know, this is someone that angels across the universe adore. Anyway, this is Alan Layton. Please don't wash my feet. Wash me all over to Don't I?
That was Alien Layton with Love Takes Time. What a, a uh, great sync we had there with our Bible study. All right, so uh, we were talking about the disciples in the upper room and, oh, 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 another clue for the quiz. We don't have any more, Lyle. Mm. Did you create one in the break? Um, I got a few here, but they all seem a bit obscure. That's all right. Do we want to run through them all quickly? Mm, yeah, why not? Okay, what am I? Solomon tested himself with this to find out what is good, but proved to be millingness. Proverbs twenty one seventeen tells us that the <clears throat> excuse me tells us that the person who loves this will become poor. The widow who lives for this is dead while she lives. A fool finds this in evil conduct. And Paul said in the last days, people would be lovers of this rather than lovers of God. And the Bible reference for that is Second Timothy chapter three verse two, I believe. Let me just uh, double check that one. Second Timothy chapter three and verse four. There you go. Nice. So you got That's Proverbs, two Bible Proverbs, verses. Proverbs twenty one seventeen or Second Timothy three verse four will give you the answer. Uh, go look it up. The number is 1-800-324-843. This is an obscure one, but uh, we do have actual specific Bible references for it now. So, uh, yeah, make, kind of making things a little bit easier for you. Yeah. yeah. All right. We were talking about the disciples in the upper room and how that Jesus Christ himself, the ruler and creator of the universe, came down and washed the feet of his disciples. This is interesting. You know, when you go into a... Uh, um, often you go into an eastern home or, or into a mosque or something like that, you have to take your shoes off. It's because of what the foot symbolizes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a bit different to the Jap- to the um, Asians who just are hygienic. Yeah, possibly. I don't really know the whole background to the Asian reason, but there's every it's likelihood. Hygiene. There, there's every likelihood it dates back to. Um, you know, if you trace it all the way back, it may go back to uh, the same roots. It's uh, it's, it's it's so. It's so hilarious. Just, just imagine the picture of these 12 disciples sitting around, all of them too proud to de- demote themselves to the washing of the feet, and then that awful realization that their master just gets up and rolls up his sleeve. They, they would have known that what he, what that they were being unchristian. They would have and, had that and they awful would have known sense. That as soon as Jesus did that, yeah. they had just lost the best opportunity yeah. ever to advance I their I don't cause. think they needed to, it didn't need to be explained to them too much. They were living an example. They were like in it. Oh, I can just, I can just feel I mean, picture, the embarrassment. Picture, and, and, well, just, 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 just think about, you know, before Jesus does that, the size of... Of the elephant in that room yeah. when they're all it. sitting there, I'm not do it. They're thinking, thinking about their it. feet. You know, they couldn't. You, you know, it's a little bit like when you've touched something really gross and really disgusting. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, yeah, like when my dog. You know, sometimes my dog <laughs> will dog, get out of the yard, Rommel, uh-huh. and uh, when he gets out of the yard and goes for a wander, um, his favorite thing to do is find a dead kangaroo. And rolling it. And rolling it. And he comes back with the biggest grin on his face like, don't I smell nice? And sometimes you accidentally pat him. Uh, and suddenly like, oh, no, where have you been? Yeah. And then you've got it on your hands. Uh-huh. You can't actually think about anything else until you've washed your hands, can you? Yeah. yeah. You know, I can be outside and I'll be like, well, I'm working on the car. I'm covered in grease. Why would I worry about what is on my hands when I'm doing a job like this? But I'm not going to get sick from... You know, I'm not going to get a bacteria or virus from grease. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you certainly don't want to eat the stuff, but it's not going to kill me. 
Um, whereas, you know, I get that stuff on my hands and I, you know, I, I'm inside. I can't, I can't concentrate. I can't yeah, think. Yeah, you can't relax. You know, and sometimes, you, you, you know how it is when you touch something gross and dirty and there's no water to wash with? Oh, it's terrible. And you have to wait. Yeah, yeah. And it just plays on your mind. And the entire time oh, yeah. for the next three hours, you're just thinking about the fact that you haven't You're washed unclean. your hands. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't try not to touch anything. You don't try not to touch, touch your face. You yeah, don't it's so touch gross. Your body. You don't touch your skin. You don't touch a thing. And so you, you know, this is this is what the disciples were and going through. They were through. gearing up to eat. So you're about to do like the one thing you should definitely wash your hands before doing. Yeah. Well, of course, this was feet, but. Uh, you about, know, yeah, it, 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 they would have still felt the same. Yeah, but that, that, smell it. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have had like a little bit of insight, like into their brains, so I could know like who did Peter think should do it, and who was John thinking that you know they should do it, and who was Judas thinking? Was Matthew like, man, it ought to be you know Andrew, and was Andrew thinking, man, it ought to be Judas, and was Judas thinking, oh, Peter should do this, he's such a racket, like. <laughs> but nobody's mentioning anything. Yeah, no other. one's saying names, but they're, they're saying, all thinking. You go and do it. They all like they. It's hard to believe that they wouldn't have had a lineup in their mind about who they thought was the least. And imagine if Jesus worthy. had sat there and gone, "Um, who's going to wash our feet? Okay, yeah. uh, Andrew, can you wash our feet?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, very different outcome. <laughs> that would have he would have been so humiliated, yeah, destroyed, and destroyed. And yet, as soon as Jesus got down to wash their feet, they've all suddenly realised they just lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you want, if you want, if you want to destroy, if you if you're competing with somebody, this is how you win the competition, <laughs> big time. You know, it's a little bit. We, we still have some of these things in our culture today, um, where and this is an interesting one. When two people come to a door, this is part of our culture. When two mm-hmm. people come to a door, the first person who walks through is the loser. Oh, yeah, I can see what you mean there. It is. Yep. You think about it every single time. The first person who walks through is the loser. And sometimes you'll see this in politics where you'll see two, um, two you know, opposing politicians come up to a door together and they will fight each other to be the last one through the door because they know the message that it is sending to those who are looking on. Yeah, yeah. The submitter goes through first. The one with the most power is the one who makes himself the servant and goes through last. And Jesus is demonstrating in this story that he is the one with the most power. I th- I just want to temper that analogy by saying that's probably true for when it's the same gender approaching the door. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right, when it's the same gender. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. Because otherwise you're saying that women are losers. <laughs> Would I say such a thing? <laughs> no, never. Of course not. No, it, it only applies when it's the same gender. Yeah, I and mean, I don't yeah. even know when it applies if, if it applies when it's two women, but it definitely applies when it's um, two men. In fact, there's some famous YouTube clips getting around of famous politicians coming up to a door together and then fighting with each other to be the last one through. Oh, such a, <laughs> it, de- it definitely sounds like a man thing to like have such a little squabble over such a like, little power play. Like, oh. But it's a power play to be the, the mo- greatest. Yeah. Submitter, yeah, the most humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will fight you to be the most humble person here, <laughs> and I will win. <laughs> and now I've been the most humble, so therefore I am the winner, yeah. and you are the loser. <laughs> oh dear! I wonder if they had the disciples had realised that, whether they would have fought to be the person to do the foot washing. 
It's probably good that it ended up at like a, I feel like that would have been I fighting whether, either way. I wonder. Yes, I wonder whether if one of them had stood up to do it, whether somebody else would have tried to push him out of the yeah, way. Yeah, but like, no, 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 I'll do, I'll do, I'll do it. I was here first. No, no, you sit down. I got this. I got this. Yeah, it's a good thing Jesus did it. That's all I can say. Amen. Because uh, if he hadn't done it, then. Um, yeah, <laughs> there was just no good outcome in any which way, was there? No. Okay, of course, Jesus goes on to say um, in the same passage that, uh, uh, well, well, why don't you read it for us? Um, um, verse 12 and 13. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. Thank you, go. You uh, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Uh oh. Mm. Jesus tells us to do the same thing. Verse fifteen: For I have given you an example. Okay, so an example is something that we copy, isn't it? Absolutely. And if Jesus did it, then we should do it. And He already just told us we should do it. Yes. Uh, truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord; neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Uh, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. That's uh, three times in three verses Jesus said we should do this. I think we need to come back tomorrow, Lyle, and discuss what foot washing looks like in modern day times. Maybe we should. Yeah. This is Torrin World with Hills and Valleys. I've walked among the shadows You wiped my tears away And i felt the pain of heartbreak And I've seen the brighter days And I've prayed prayers to heaven From my lowest place And I have held your blessings God, you give and take away No matter what I have, your grace is
is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5 designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio.
That was Dolly Parton with In the Sweet By and By here on Faith FM. And Mon, what have we got for question of the day today? Question of the day. Funnily enough that we should mention um, <laughs> uh, talking about foot washing and uh, going on about it tomorrow because someone must have been thinking the same thing because the question got asked. Um, wait, hang on. Let me just turn my phone into airplane mode so we can do this properly. Someone did ask, uh, are we supposed to still be washing feet in like 2019, modern day times? Because Jesus did say follow his example, but... Yeah, this is a very good question, and uh, historically there have been quite a number of churches that have practiced the, uh, you know, the ordinance of foot washing. There are a number that still do, and you know, from a ceremonial perspective. Okay, so we should probably should look at what is actually taking place here and what it is that Jesus is establishing. Jesus is establishing what we call the communion service. Now, the communion service down through history, uh, the symbolism behind it of the bread and the wine has. Somewhat changed in significance uh, because of, you know, it's come down through many different cultures and many different places, many different parts of the world, you know, many parts of the world where they don't have bread or wine. Those, you know, those are two, two kind of foods that don't exist. And so it's spread around the world and been interpreted uh, many different ways. But the concept is still there and the practice is still there and the symbolism of it has not changed. The question that goes through my mind is this. Was the foot washing a part of the communion service that Jesus was establishing uh, there in the upper room? We know that he wanted us to continue with the bread and the wine as a symbol of his body and as a symbol of his blood. Did he also want us to continue with the practice of foot washing as a part of that communion service? And so there are some churches that say, yes, he did. There are most churches who say, no, he didn't. And there are some churches who say, hey, this is a really nice thing to do on, on you know, odd occasions, say, for instance, when we have a church camp or we might have an agape feast or something like that. Um, historically, there were a lot more churches who used to practice uh, the foot washing as a part of the full communion service. Okay, so here's what Jesus said in relationship to the bread and the wine. He said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So first of all, Jesus is not telling us how often we should have the communion service. There is no specification in Scripture to say do it once a year, four times a year, once a month, once a week, once a day, or anything otherwise. There is no right or wrong in this. Uh, so long as it has meaning for you, it's important that it has meaning for you. Um, so Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. What is different about the foot washing is that Jesus repeats it over and over and over and over and over again, almost like the foot washing was in more danger of being forgotten than any other part of the communion service. And you would wonder, well, why is that the case? So if we notice here um, in verse 14, if I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also ought to do wash one another's feet. So there's the first time he says it. Uh, then he says, I have given you an example. It's the second time he says it because an example is something that we, we copy. Um, and then he says that you should do as I have done to you. That's the fourth time he says it. Uh, then in verse 16, Truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. That is the fourth time that Jesus has told us to practice uh, the symbol of foot washing as a part of the communion service. And so he only tells us kind of once for the bread and the wine. 
Um, and it's not even that specific. But when it comes to foot washing, he repeats himself, and then he repeats himself, and then he repeats himself, and just in case you missed it, he repeats himself one more time. So if Jesus has is so adamant about this, then why has this particular uh, symbol been lost? I believe the answer is found in you know bread and wine are things that are kind of enjoyable to us. We enjoy to take those things in, and they symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus that forgives us of our sins, makes us right with God. Foot washing, on the other hand, is an act of humility where we humble ourselves and we act that out by touching something that is culturally, you know, got a bit of a cringe to it. It feels kind of strange. Well, that's exactly the whole point. It's supposed to feel kind of strange. It's supposed to remind us that we are uh, servants of each other. And so, yes, we're happy to deal with God's, happy to receive God's forgiveness, but we are not so happy to humble ourselves. And that's why foot washing has disappeared largely out of the Christian church. But you come to my church, um, at, uh, Maitland, at East Maitland or any other Seventh Adventist church, and you'll find that during the communion service, we have foot washing as well. It's a wonderful experience. Give us a call if you have a question. 1-800-FAITH-FM. We will keep the commandments of God Through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ With patient endurance and faith We will follow, follow the Lamb We will follow the Lamb Wherever He goes Walking in the light on this narrow
Welcome back, guys. That was Carly Fletcher with Follow the Lamb here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show. Mon, we're not giving a book away today? No, I thought it might be fun to give away some music. So Absolutely. I have a really great album here from Kemi Ogendi, uh, who we did interview a couple of weeks ago with her really beautiful uh, album called Note to Self. Uh, we've been playing some of these songs on our show here at Faith FM Breakfast Show, and um, beautiful music. Uh, even got a couple of uh, guests, uh, uh, guest artists on the album. But give us a call now if you'd like to get a copy of it. Our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. First person to call through will get this album and uh, you can either keep it or give it as a gift to someone. It's a really nice present. You know, getting music as a present is really great. Uh, so 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number for Note to Self, Kimmy or Gendy. Okay, and of course, uh, she was a featured artist up at uh, Big Camp in the yes. 18 plus tent. Yes. Yes, you would have heard her in the background on some of our interviews. Yes, indeed. So, uh, um, yeah, really spectacular artist that we have there to give away today. So give us a call right now. The number is 1-800-324-843, and that album can be yours for free. If you would like to do some Bible studies, you can also call us on that number. We can set you up uh, either with online courses or in-hand courses, small group courses, personal courses, however you like. Uh, there's so many ways to study the Bible. We definitely recommend um, doing that uh, here on the show. It's our favorite thing to recommend. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. But for day- today, we hope you have a blessed Thursday and we'll see you tomorrow. Questions or pain